Hey, what's up, everyone? Before we get started, I wanted to talk about a new partnership that's happening on the podcast. I have partnered with Media.net. So if you guys are not familiar with Media.net, they were one of the sponsors of the Financial Bloggers Conference, and I met up with them at the actual conference, and we started talking. They are basically masters in the whole monetization strategy. And I didn't really have a great one for the podcast. There is podcast sponsorship, and that's one aspect of monetizing your podcast uh, or your blog, to be honest. But I was missing an element, and that's being able to deliver relevant ads to my audience. I'm going to talk a lot more about that at the end of the show, but... I did want to let you guys know about Media.net. You can find a link to them in the show notes. I'm now a Media.net ambassador, and I am really enjoying the account support and everything else from the team. So I'm going to tell you guys, of course, a lot more about that at the end of the show. And of course, you know, the show is supported by Podbean. Uh, Podbean is a podcast hosting platform that you can use. So if you're launching a podcast, definitely want to check them out. And I'll talk about them more at the end of the show. Hey everyone, this is Vernon Ross, and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, bringing you the best in line and line business, social media, and good old-fashioned networking. And guys, you know, um, if you've been listening to the podcast, I just had the pleasure of talking to uh, Chef Carol about his new book, The Recipe. Now, it's a rare honor when I get a chance to talk to more than one person that's actually been involved with a book. I talked to a lot of authors, as you guys know, I've had a lot of great authors on the show, but this author and, and co-author in particular, I'm excited about John David Mann has an amazing career. He's a, been a journalist. Uh, he's an entrepreneur and he is the co-author of several, I've lost count, New York Times bestselling author, uh, bestselling books, including The Go-Giver, Total Focus that just came out not too long ago. It's by Brandon Webb and him. And of course, you guys know The Go-Giver is by Bob Berg, who doesn't know that already. Uh, the Recipe with uh, Chef Charles Carroll and him and just so many other books that I've read, like The the Joy, uh, the, the Code to Joy. I remember actually... Ah. I took a little bit of glance at that book in an airport and I, I meant to go get it and was late for my flight and ended up not getting it. But definitely one I got to go back to. Uh, he's got an amazing resume of just achievements in the business world and in the publishing world. And we're going to touch on a lot of that today. So, John, welcome to the show. Hi, Vernon. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for, so much for coming on. So co-authoring more than one book is is an accomplishment, but... You know, when if you go out to um, johndavidman.com slash books and just click on see all and you can scroll up twice if you're on a MacBook and you're not to the end of the page. <laughs> so how many books have you co-authored? I think it's like 13, right? Yeah, it's about two dozen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's amazing. How how does that happen? How did you get into co-authoring? Boy, you know, that that could be, we could have a long answer to that question. I'll try to give you a kind of a short one, though, um, because it wasn't uh, what I set out to do. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't it wasn't where I started. Right. Um, 
it was a long and winding path to get to get uh, to this place. I started out in life as a classical musician. I played the cello. I composed music. And that was my plan. And mm-hmm. uh, my plan kept changing. I got involved with uh, nutrition and holistic health. And I got involved with education, started a high school. I got involved with business and started a food business. I got involved with, um, you know, a lot of different things. And uh, – all along the way, it seemed like I was always editing other people's stuff. There was always like a newsletter or a journal or, or a circular that had to go out or an article in a paper or something that needed to get, you know, cleaned up, polished, uh, knocked into shape. And, and that usually fell to me. Um, and, and I spent uh, in my 40s, I guess, uh, in 50s, a lot of time uh, serving as an editor of different business journals and uh, about 10 years ago, actually, I had a plan. Speaking of plans, you know how they say how you make God laugh? You make a plan. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You make a plan. This wonderful expression, man plans and God laughs. So uh, I, I've been creating a great deal of, I think, divine mirth. Uh, I, my plan in 2004 was to become a Hollywood screenwriter. I was uh, writing a script and I had stu- studying screenwriting like crazy. I went out to Hollywood and I, there's a study with a wonderful teacher out there, Hal Crosman, who I'm still in touch with, uh, one of the greatest influences on my writing. And um, I was all good to go, man. I was all set. Uh, Hollywood, here I come. And I'd like to say Bob Berg ruined my career. <laughs> because... He came along and said, hey, listen, I, I've got this book that I, I got this idea for a book, but I don't know how to write a book like this. I need you to write it with me. Uh, and, and I had no plans to be an author of books, but um, Bob, you know, it's like my friend. So I went and visited him. We sat down one day. We took a look. We talked some ideas through. I went back home and I kind of when I had a, a few days free about six weeks later, um, I noodled around with the idea and I wrote a scene and it's, if you know the book, the go giver, mm-hmm. it's late in the book. It's actually the scene where Deborah Davenport gives a speech to a crowded auditorium. Yeah. Talks about the law of authenticity. That was the first thing I wrote. And, and I, I put that down on paper and said, Hey, I, I think this works. <laughs> I sent it off to Bob and he said, "Wow, this is great. And we went back and forth and we wrote the book in six weeks. And, um, you know, the, the path to get it published was, was two years of, of rejection and, and revision. Uh, but that was the beginning of, of, uh, of my career as a, as a writer. And uh, as you say, I've co-authored with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's just been over really the last decade or so. And Bob and Brandon the Sniper and, you know, Code to Joy, as you mentioned, and, and a lot of other, lot of other fun, fun projects. Right. You know, it's interesting when you talk about, you were talking about the go-giver and uh, in particular, law number four, the uh, yeah. the law of authenticity. Now, when that came out, and I mean, this is, this was, this was a little, little while ago. Yeah. This was, this was probably before uh, Gary Vaynerchuk was like super popular. I, yeah. I, I talk about Gary a lot, um, uh, just off and on, because I've, I've met him, I got a chance to know him and it's been on the podcast nice. before. Great guy. But he talks about authenticity. I, I have the sneaky suspicion that he got that from you guys. <laughs> Let's start that rumor right now. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm Jersey. saying. Right. Because, hey, everything that you guys talk uh, about is 
what he talks about as far as a whole authenticity thing. And there's there was a, like an, a movement around 2010, 2011, 2012, where, oh, you just got to be authentic. You got to be authentic. And I'm like, this is this is the go giver. This is law number four. <laughs> like, what, just a funny thing about that. It, fe- it felt like um, and I had the I had the pleasure of interviewing Gary Vee once. Uh, I had a blast with him, and, and uh, but but I, I unlike I have not gotten to know him the way you have, and I would love to. He's such a cool guy. But um, you know, it, it 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 felt like the book kind of touched a chord, and you know, it came out at the end of two thousand seven, beginning of two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. So we had about eight nine months of the book out there before the economy really started to tank. Right. The economy, you know, hit the fan that that fall, and by early two thousand nine. Um, we were in, you know, full screaming global crisis. And yeah. it's interesting because here comes this book saying, you know, the secret to success is to look out for other people's interests you know, first ahead of your own. And that being generous of spirit is not only a nice thing to do and like a morally and philosophically pleasing thing to do, but it's a practical way to live. It's actually a, a, a path to success. And now the economy is in tatters around all our ankles and the book, rather than getting less popular, got more. It seemed like it like it touched a chord that just started vibrating more and more. And I don't know how much of it is social media and how much of it was, you know, a, a, a fresh look at our priorities as the economy went through what it went through or, you know, exactly what. But the book is 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 more popular now than it was when it came out nearly a decade ago and you know couldn't be more thrilled about that but it wasn't exactly our plan but but we're happy we'll take it <laughs> right no that's amazing it's uh it's really interesting i i remember just the um going through the the issues of success magazine and i kept seeing this success for teens mm. and i'm like what is this and mm. i ended up I never got it, but one of the things when I first became familiar with your name, it was actually through uh, multi-level marketing. It was the mm-hmm. MLM industry and um, the, oh, yeah. the Zen of MLM. Was, ah. I saw that at, at some meeting I got invited to, and I'm like, "No kidding! Oh, who's that? Oh, okay." I think I like five copies of that or something. I'm just amazed. <laughs> I saw a copy of that book. That, that was my love letter to the to that industry, and I never <laughs> right, sold right. a lot of copies. But, uh, that's great. Now it was funny. Um, it was sitting next to a book by, by Big Al Schrechter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Must be Thanks. probably as good as that book. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> the the go, going pro book, which, which brings into, in a, in, into to mind the question. So you've, you've co-authored all these books. You have to have, at this point, a formula for how you actually sit down to write. Because as, as someone who's just recently published a book, um, I know the writing process for me was difficult and painful yes. and, and cathartic and reflective and all of the stuff that I don't know that I want to go through again yeah. anytime soon. So co-authoring all these books, you, you've got to have some type of method that you could share for other authors out there to help us get it together. You know, it, um, sure. And, um, I'll, I'll, I'll make that up as I go along here as we talk. <laughs> all <laughs> right. The, I, I sort of stumble and mutter here for a sec because there are a few different kinds of books I've written. And I guess we sure. should really break it down into three. There's uh, I've written a, a bunch of books that you'd call memoirs. You know, mm-hmm. Brandon Webb, the Navy SEAL sniper. Rita Davenport, the speaker, her story. John Addison, the former CEO of Primerica or co-CEO of Primerica. Uh, Cameron Johnson, the business prodigy. Um, and, and 
those books, you know, I, I'm or, uh, Bob Beckel, who was uh, used to be on The Five on on uh, Fox News, uh, the life of a, a a Democratic Paul who was a drug addict and alcoholic by night, and campaign manager of the presidential campaign manager by by day. That was a a wild ride. Those are, you know, the, the preparation for those and the process of those is one thing. Then there's books like, you know, you said Code to Joy, books where basically it's a nonfiction book where I'm taking someone's material um, that they might give in a PowerPoint or a lecture or something and, and teaching it, really. It's like a lesson, a nonfiction right. how-to book. And then there's the stories, the parables, like the recipe that we'll talk about later, like The Go-Giver. And um, we've got a bunch of those in, in the hopper, and, and they're different. But they're all similar in one way, in that in each case, here, here's what happens. I've got a story to tell. And it's, to some extent, someone else's story. Um, in the case of a book like The Go-Giver or The Recipe, it's, you know, it's Bob Berg and John Mann kind of 50-50 mixed up in a barrel. But in the case of uh, a Brandon Webb book like The Red Circle, that's Brandon's story of how he grew up and became a Navy SEAL sniper. So there's kind of three steps for, for me in writing a book. There's the, uh, there's the preparation, uh, there's the inspiration, and then there's the perspiration. And, and the preparation is, I, I just start by learning. If, if I were going to be a film actor and I was going to play someone's life, like I were going to you know, play Gandhi or play Ray Kroc, or I was going to play you know, uh, Nelson Mandela or something like that, I was going to do a biopic, I would study the person's life and watch clippings of them, you know, clips of them and like learn their, how they spoke and how they moved and how they walked and how they talked and how they looked. And that's what I do. I study the person. I listen to their lectures. Um, if they have stuff they've written, I read it. If, if I can get them on the phone, if they're alive, hopefully, uh, we'll talk and I'll do 45, one hour, 45 minute or one hour conversations and record them and get them transcribed. And so I have this massive stuff that's just like that person, their story, and I'll go through it all. And that's preparation. Then I sit down and say, okay, what the heck is this story? What are we writing about? What is the thread? You know, if, if someone asked me, tell me in one sentence, what is this story? Uh, what's the sentence? Where does it start? Mm. You know, and I'll, this is the hardest part for me. I'll, I'll sit, you know, all the stuff that I've, I've read and prepared, I'll, I'll now try to forget it all, throw it all out, sit down in a chair, blank pad of paper, cup of hot tea, first thing in the morning, close my eyes, probably put headphones on, get music going in the background. It's kind of like meditation, just sort of try to make my mind empty and, and just ask the question, what, what's the story that wants to be told? What wants to happen here? And, you know, just come up with something. It's maybe a sentence, maybe uh, some phrases, maybe a passage will write itself. It, Deborah Davenport in that, that chapter of authenticity, that was what cropped up when I sat in that chair in uh, 2005 or whenever it was. Um, so I'll just start drafting ideas. And that's the hardest part for me because it's the part where I really don't know what I'm doing. And I'll tell you, Vernon, every book I start, I may have written two dozen books, but I, every time I start a book, I, I hit this point where I go, I have no idea what I'm doing. 
Because uh, I, what? <laughs> and, and if I didn't know better, and I, this has been true in the past, I would get I would get into a despairing place. I'll get in this place of like I really don't know what I'm doing, and I I really, and, and I used to kind of fret and I would pace and I would get nervous and I would go to my wife and I would say, oh man, I just like I'm hitting my head against the wall. I don't do that now. Now I, I'm, I'm more comfortable in the place of not knowing what on earth I'm doing. And I'll sit down and go, okay, I don't know. And that's good. I have no idea how this story starts. And that's good. Something will present itself and something does. Oh wow! And then once once I got some some ideas drafted, you know, nine tenths of which will be terrible, I'll find the one tenth in there that looks like it might have some merit, and, and then it's the perspiration part, which is just you know the work of of revising and extending and stretching and drafting and and you know building building it up from there. That is really interesting. So you approach basically learning a subject as you would a piece of music. I think this possibly speaks to your music career. Yeah. When, you know, as a cellist, my, my daughter is a, is a violinist and uh, I'm, I'm not a musician, but I'm very observant of, of how musicians behave mm. and what I've seen and what it sounds like you do when, when you, you've come to this process of understanding who it is that you talk to and who it is that you're writing about is that when you're looking at that subject, it's, it's much like you're learning a, a new piece of music, uh, yeah. even if it's a classic if you know, the more you know about how this piece of work was composed and what went into composing the work and the more you just sit down and play it instead and study it and learn about the music as you play the piece, it becomes more and more of a part of you. And even though you're playing a piece that's already been composed, you can put your own spin to it and your own, your, your essence into that music so that nobody else plays that piece that it sounds exactly the same way you play it. Every musician, even though they're playing the same piece, you can either just play it or you can really play it. That, you know, that is so true. That's so aptly put. And, and, you know, even though, you know, if I sit down to write the go-giver or the recipe, it's not a piece that anyone has ever played before. It is at the same time, it feels like that. It, it, you know, uh, Stephen King, the writer, says that for him, the process of writing doesn't feel like building something so much as it feels like he's unearthing an artifact that's already there, buried in the soil. Yeah, it feels like that to me. Only for me, it feels like it's something I'm, I'm snatching out of the air. Uh, it, it feels like there, and I'll actually tell myself this because I talk to myself. One of the first things I did many, many years ago was I, in, in when I first started learning about personal growth, I, I started training myself to speak my thoughts out loud, at least not when I'm walking down the street, but when I'm in my room by myself. (laughs) (laughs) So I won't attract too much attention so that I can discover what's going on in my brain. A lot of it's negative. And that's why I've learned uh, how much negative self-talk we have is because I hear myself say it and it gives me the chance to change it. But I'll say to myself, there's a story out there. I know this story already exists, not to get too woo-woo, but on some levels, on some level, there's this story that wants to get told, and my job is to extract it, damaging it as little as possible. Uh, And by the way, you know, I talk about the preparation stage. I don't want to give the wrong impression. I am not a you know, I've never written a, a, a novel in the sense of a big, full novel. You know, mm-hmm. books like The Go-Giver are like tiny, mini novels, but 
if I were a novelist, I wouldn't be the kind who does a lot of research. And there are different kinds of novelists. Some right. love research, some hate it. I'm not a huge researcher. Uh, uh, so when I say preparation, I'll tell you, when I start writing something, I usually have an outline, sort of. Mm-hmm. But I discover an awful lot of it as, as we're going along. Uh, um, it's, it's, you know, I, sometimes I, you know, that question, what's this book really about? I don't always know the answer until I'm more than halfway through it or even all the way through it. The go-giver, when we started it, we didn't have, it's based on, you know, some people listening may not know this, it's based on the five laws of stratospheric success. Well, when we started writing the story, we didn't have five laws, we didn't have five anything. (laughs) We had this idea, there was this idea that putting your focus on others first and putting others' interests ahead of your own is you know, that was the fundamental idea? Giving value to others is a strategic way to live. That this idea that being noble or being self-interested are contradictions. Uh, our idea was no, they're not. This is like self-interest and altruism are two sides of the same coin, or they can be. That's the idea of the go-giver. That putting other people's interests first isn't doesn't have to be self-sacrificial. It actually is a way of building yourself because when you give to others, it makes you a larger person and people appreciate you. So we had that, that concept, but the fiveness of it just kind of emerged as, as we were going. I, I didn't even know what the fifth law was going to be until we were way, way into the story. I realize not everybody's a writer, but this part of the process, this applies if you're an entrepreneur, if you're almost anything. For me, writing a book and having it turn out really well is this delicate dance of balancing, sticking to my outline, you know, being structured, yeah. but at the same time being open to what I learn in the process. And businesses are that way. You get this great business idea, you make a business plan, but as you're going, there are these things called customers and there's this thing called the market and it tells you things and you get feedback and you get input and you discover that the universe is wiser than you are and it tells you things you didn't know and you have to change <laughs> right yeah oh your life is like that a book is like that you know i i cannot plan the whole book i'm right now in the middle of, a, of another parable and I, i'm i'm finding out who these people are and i'm you know more than halfway through it <laughs> wow that's that is amazing so something that's interesting about the recipe uh it's self-published and you guys went to a number of established publishers. Yeah. It's not like you're me, who was had never written a book book before. Uh, you know, I'm a podcaster, blogger. You know, I do marketing stuff, and right. no track record. Right. What is what does that feel like? And I think it puts it in perspective for everyone that's thinking about the things that they do in <laughs> business. That this is a successful multi New York Times bestselling author, and publishers did not want to publish this book. <laughs> so I can tell you that at first it felt bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> it did not feel good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean it's funny because. A decade ago, we took the go-giver to, to New York, and my agent took uh, – we, first, we found an agent, which was a miracle in itself because we didn't have an agent. She took it to New York, and it was rejected more than a dozen times. And, yeah. uh, and I like to tell the story that you know they were right, those publishers, to reject it because it wasn't ready. Uh, we took it back. We revised it. 
We covered it with red ink. We threw out the last chapter, wrote a whole different one. There was a character in The Go-Giver named Raphael. We gave him a gender reassi- reassignment process and made him into Rachel. Huh. And uh, it's Rachel's famous coffee. And, you know, we, we, we revised the book in a lot of ways uh, before it became the book that was published. And, and we got 22 rejections before it was finally published. Wow. So here it is. Fast forward a decade later, as you say, a bunch of New York Times bestsellers, uh, two dozen books, two million copies in print, more than that. And I, I assumed that this would be just a walk, you know, a cakewalk. Take this book to New York. My agent read the manuscript and she she emailed me back screaming. She said she called me screaming, she said this is the best writing you've ever done. We're going to go to New York and it's going to it's going to go to auction. They're going to fight for it. You're going to get a seven figure advance. Yeah, none of those things happened. Uh, uh, we, we got, so the editors in New York came back and said, um, wow, love this story. The characters are so real. Uh, the life lessons are so poignant. The boy, Owen, I just fell in love with him. The old chef is such a great mentor. And the, 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 the cooking is so vivid and mouthwatering and tantalizing. Life lessons are just, and we'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> and one after the other, they passed. Oh, not wow. a dozen, not two dozen, but more than 40 passed. And the problem was they couldn't, either they said it, it's, it's just not our category. Um, you know, they didn't see it as a business book or they didn't see it as a whatever it was they did. Mm-hmm. Or they couldn't really see what category it fit. Uh, we're not sure where, what shelf in Barnes in Barnes and Noble this this sits on. We we don't know what category at Amazon this 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 slots into. So I mean you're absolutely right. This is different for us. Uh, neither Chef Charles or I are, are self publishers. Chef Charles, as you know, he's like got an insanely busy life. Yeah, running food for one of the nation's busiest country clubs. I've got an insanely business uh, busy life writing books. I've got a, a cram jammed uh, writing schedule. Self-publishing was really our only option, um, that or forget it. And, and so we we decided, you know, there there is a readership. We believe, you know, this is what the publishers said, that there is no category. Well, so here's what we think the category is. It's people who love personal growth and self-development and watch Food Network. <laughs> love food. Love great cooking. Yeah. And we think that's like 50 million people, not oh, just of course. a few people. So the question, the question becomes, can we reach them? You know, can we, can we in, the, in the busy, crowded universe, can we get our message out there? And so that's, that's, that's our challenge. And that's, uh, it is an entrepreneurial uh, challenge that both thrills and terrifies us. And, and uh, we, we are making it up as we go along. It's our first entrepreneurial shot being publishers ourselves. Right. Now, if, if that does not inspire you guys, I don't know what will, because it's <laughs> scary no matter what level you're at yeah. to put your work out there and not know whether or not everybody's going to just flock to the stores and get it. But I can tell you that I'll never eat a hot dog the same way again <sighs> after that, after that scene and the lessons that were in the scene, because it's, it's hard to not visualize it. And I, I'm like, okay, come on, be honest with me. Owen's real, right? Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, the, the kid feels so real. I'm so pleased you said that. I'll tell you why. You know, I mentioned Deborah Davenport and that scene in The Go-Giver. For every book I've written, I, I've discovered this o- over time, there's, there's, there's always this spark. Like there's this moment when I'm messing around 
and something like jumps off the page. And it's usually a scene or it might be a chapter or it might just be a two paragraph passage in a book. And in the recipe, it's that it's the hot dog scene. Um, that was the first thing I wrote when I went, okay, uh, this, this thing is real for me. Um, and not to spoil it for the reader, for the listener, but you know, there's the scene where the, the, the chef is going to give this boy basically a, a test. He says, there's two, two things. He says, first comes eating. He's, he's not going to test him in how to cook. He's going to test him in how to eat. And the boy says, that's, that's the test, the big culinary test. I, you you want to know if I know how to eat? And he sits him down in front of a hot dog and a Coke. And the boy is like, Oh, give me a break. A hot dog and a Coke. Like, you're supposed to be some, you know, fancy chef. And so he sits down and, and uh, they eat the hot dog and the Coke. And the chef asks him, you know, what's it taste like? And he's like, it's a hot dog. And the chef is like, no, really? Well, what does it taste like? And so they start to deconstruct the taste of the hot dog. And the chef says, I could sit you down to a five-course, $200 meal and put myself in front of a hot dog. And which one of us would have the better meal? What it, and it would be the chef. He said, because I've taught myself how to taste, how to get myself out of the way, my experience, my baggage, my preconceptions, my judgments, to actually taste. And, and I think that's what you find, you know, in entrepreneurs who, who experience their their business category. You know, someone who, you take Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, who sat down and they, they had an experience of the world of personal computing that was entirely different than what anybody at IBM was experiencing at the time. Um, you know, uh, Colleen Barrett and Herb Kelleher had an experience of what an airline should be, of what flying was, that was different than anybody who wasn't Southwest Airlines was having at the time. And that's, you know, it's almost a Zen-like thing of actually, you know, being in the moment and, and fully experiencing what you're doing. I'll tell you, my wife, uh, eight, eight or nine years ago, broke her knee in 25 places. It was awful. Oh my and, gosh. You know, this terrible fracture of, of the, of the knee. And, uh, she was told that she'd, she'd never, you know, walk properly again. It took ages to recover. And she finally, you know, she had some surgery on the knee and this and that. And a few years later, she broke it again. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, we spent, a, a year, uh, you know, going on trips with wheelchairs and 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 uh, motorized, uh, uh, you know, carts and and lots of crutches, and she walks um, through. Long story, but the, the bottom line of it is, she got full use of her knee back. She walks today like you know, we, we walk five miles a day together. She's got that knee knee back, but I will tell you, there is not a day goes by that I don't get out of bed in the morning walk to the kitchen and go, oh my God, look at this. I'm walking. It's a miracle to me that my legs work after watching her for, for years in the situation. Right. Neither of us will ever take our legs, our arms, our fingers, our articulations, you know, for granted again. It's just like a miraculous thing. And that's, I think, what the chef was going for with the boy when he says, taste everything. Yeah. Don't anything for, for granted. Yeah. And guys, uh, since you haven't read the book yet, hopefully by the time this interview comes out, you guys will have picked up the book, the recipe. Um, that's rule number one of, of the chef that he has these rules. He's got seven rules. Mm -hmm. and I think that's rule number one and actually rule number three to pay attention to the little things because yes. it's those little bitty things that you, you take 
so much advantage of and you take for granted that it's just going to be there, but it's not necessarily something that will be there. And until you miss it, you don't know how precious it is. I've, I've heard my, my wife um, talking with friends on the phone. I mean, she has friends she loves to chat with, and I'll be in the other room, and I'll just catch snippets of conversation. And I hear her going, talking about, about our – we've only been married for, for – it's coming up on 10 years. Um, we've known each other for 20, but, but we're, uh, we're still newlyweds. Right? We've been, we've been well, you are. You are. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I hear her talking about, about our relationship and about me, and, she's, and she says, and every morning – he brings me a cup of tea in bed. And she says it like it's the most amazing thing in the world. And you know, it is for her and it is for me. I mean, we so appreciate each other, but that's like, as you're right, that's law three in the book. Take care of the little things. Uh, when you do, the big things t- tend to take care of the, uh, themselves. Uh, and I think that's, tr- again, it's true in business. I mean, what makes a business for me is how they greet you when they walk in the door, when Absolutely. you answer the phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, how they wrap the package, how they address it, how they – so all those little things, they add up to so much. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I, I sit down to write a book and I get intimidated because I, I realize I, I can't write this book. Well, that's true. I can't write a book. Nobody can. But I can write a sentence. And I, I will – um, a couple months ago in my blog, I actually wrote a blog about about a sentence. Uh, Bob Berg and I have another go-giver book coming out next year, another parable. Mm-hmm. Um, this one has a dog and a cat in it. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and I, I wrote a whole blog post about the first sentence of that book. And it was it was a great experience coming up with that first sentence. You know, once I got that first sentence where I wanted it, that was like the whole rest of the book. It was like unearthing i was like an archaeologist and i had just found a toe and finding the toe i knew the whole dinosaur was there um all it took was finding that toe to confirm it and that's how it felt you know catch that uh that dinosaur by that little toe joint right yeah you just had to dig enough to get the rest of it to come out that's right and just digging and whisk brooming oh that that is amazing and you know i think business is so much like that because often when you start anything, anything worthwhile. It's, it's a little bit of it. And then it feels like you've got this whole mountain of stuff to get out of your way or obstacles to go around in order to find that gold in your business. And you have to just keep digging and keep digging and keep digging until you actually get to it. Yeah. So yeah, now real, really, really amazing stuff. Um, you know, so as, as we're coming to the end of this and, and wrapping this up, you know, I'm still just astounded with all of the, the stuff that you write. But I do have a question when, when you're sitting down to write and uh, often the dedication is from the, the co-author, the other co-author to who they dedicate the book to, when you sit down to write, who do you think about when you're writing? (laughs) Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, when I'm writing, I I don't think about anybody. Mm -hmm. I think about, or I try to step into the the shoes and the clothes uh, of the person. Now, again, I'll give you an example. Here's the recipe. The recipe is a book about a 14-year-old boy named Owen. We didn't have a name for him at first. It took a while to find the name. And this crusty old diner chef, just called The Chef. He has yeah. a name. You find it later. And there are other characters in the book. When Chef Charles first told Chef Charles Carroll first told me the idea he had for this book, because he'd had the idea first, he told me the basic story setup. I fell in love with the idea of the book. 
uh, this boy. And it was writing this scene or trying to picture this boy walking to the diner. The boy, not to spoil the story again, but he's just lost his father. His father's died uh, a few months prior to the opening of the book. And I'm trying to picture this boy in, in this bitter February blast in the afternoon. Light is fading. It's New England in February. It's cold. He's lost his father. He's grief stricken. He's angry. He's flunking out of school. He's getting in fights. He's gotten in trouble. He's just vandalized this building and now he's got to go like pay the piper and his life is, is just awful. And I'm being that kid. I'm trying to experience what he's experiencing. Now, I didn't lose my father at age 14. Most of us didn't. But we've all lost something. We've all experienced a heartache of some sort. I know that. You can't be a human being and not have gone through that. Um, so we all relate to this kid in some way. In the process, of, for me, the process of writing is the process of falling in love with these characters I'm writing about. So, you know, I'll dedicate a book. You know, in all the Goldgiver books, Bob and I share dedication. Um, he usually dedicates it to his parents. I dedicate it to my wife or to our readers or to my parents or to other people. They're people that I think of as my inspiration. But that's not when I'm writing. When mm -hmm. I'm writing, I am thinking about the people, the, the story, I, I'm, you know, I'm being as much as I can do. I'm being, I'm inhabiting that person. It's, you know, I was talking to a sniper the other day, a spec up sniper. And he said, you know, this is going to sound weird, but the sniper's art is really empathy. I said, come again. Yeah. <laughs> he said, he said, sniper is first and foremost, an intelligent ass intelligence asset. You don't spend most of your time shooting people. You don't pull the trigger. Snipers don't shoot most of the time. Most of the time, what snipers are doing is they're observing their reconnaissance and reconnoiter. They are behind enemy lines, intelligence assets. That's the bulk of their training is observation. Uh, and, and he said, your principal skill as a sniper is you know what that other person is going to do before they even do it, before they even know what they're going to do. Because you get to know them, you observe for days. To me, that's what a writer is. It's the principal skill of a writer is empathy. And that's just as true if you're writing an email to your colleague. You don't have to be a book author to write. Um, you know, the principal skill you want to use in writing your emails or your blog posts is empathy for the person who's going to read that. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, John, this has been amazing. Where where online can people find you when they want to connect and go out and get the go-giver and total focus and, of course, coming up the recipe? So uh, my, my website, I funnel everything through there. I mean, I tweet a little, I Facebook a little, but primarily I, my, my, I kind of funnel everything through my website, which is just my name, John David Mann, two N's, dot com. Uh, all my books are there. My blog post is where, where I practice writing is there. A mm -hmm. um, little bio is there. You can contact me through it. I do, I do see those emails that come in. I answer them all, all myself. The book itself, the recipe, also has its own site where we're, we're doing a, a pre-order special where we're offering some video pieces we did of chef cooking and me interviewing him and so forth. Uh, and that is at theingredientsofgreatness.com. Yeah, it's a great site, guys. You guys should definitely check it out. Get it so you can watch these videos because this bonus offer, these videos, these eight videos, um, it's it's amazing. You'll love it. 
<laughs> trust me it's mm-hmm. it's it's worth it to go and get it you guys have put a lot of work into doing this and putting this work out here and um fully support you guys in it and i know that it'll be successful there's only 28 days left guys before you can uh actually get this book but definitely pre-order it as an author it makes a difference when you pre-order so don't wait <laughs> don't ah. don't be like hey oh i'm just gonna wait to get it no 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 don't wait pre-order pre-order now if you're gonna buy it just pre-order it and get two get one for yourself and give get one to give because if you're following the rules and the laws you should be providing value for people and this will definitely provide value with a book like this i think this is um this is one of those books that i think every kid should read because it's it's one of those things where there's so many le- so many good lessons in this book, and so uh, yeah, I'll definitely be buying a couple copies. Um, actually, I've already gotten one, but one copy is going to go to my uh, my oldest who just graduated college and she's just starting oh, her first job. And fantastic! Yeah, this is just one of those books that you you should have on your shelf because mm. if you love food, you're going to get engrossed with how beautifully written it is in the way that food is described and the appreciation that it has for it. But the lessons that are within the book are just powerful. And if you if you can't identify with it, then that's not even a thing. You'll be able to identify with anything <laughs> in this book. It's, it's just really well done. And I really do appreciate the work that you guys have put into this in, into this work. Mm, thank you so much. Uh, blessings upon your house, Vernon. That's I appreciate that. No, nah, no worries. It's It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, guys. You can find him. Out on his website, all that stuff is going to be in the show notes. Of course, you can tweet him at John David Mann, or on Twitter at John David Mann. Um, tweet him, connect to the website, make sure you subscribe, do all the stuff that you need to do. And um, it's been a pleasure having you. I appreciate it. I'll just say this in part of my parting words, blueberry pancakes, guys. When you see pancakes. the book, you'll know what I mean. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> all right, hey, man, Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Thank you. All right, guys, that was exciting. John David Mann. Wow. Co-author of The Recipe, um, co-author of so many books, The Go-Giver. It's just crazy how much he's had his hands in the success of so many authors, you know, over the past uh, few years. Uh, It was really a pleasure having him on the show to talk about the process and getting to understand that. And it's very rare. And actually, this is a first occurrence for the podcast that I've been able to capture the entire process, an author, a co-author, and the thought process that goes into developing the story and um, how the character concept comes together and specifically some of the challenges around actually publishing that is uh, that is always interesting and always uh, a pleasure to be able to connect with someone to hear the thought process behind a book and learn their motivations and stuff like that so yeah i definitely enjoyed having them on go check them out make sure you check out the recipe the recipe um it is really a good book. I definitely recommend it. I have it. I'm actually going to be giving away a couple copies as gifts to uh, some people, not actually giving them away in the audience. I may end up doing that a little bit later on, um, maybe somewhere around Christmas. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later and see if that happens. But um, no, that's that, that was, it was really exciting having, having him on the show. I did want to talk about uh, who I mentioned at the beginning of the show, media.net. 
uh, a new partnership has formed with Media.net. I met these guys at the Financial Bloggers Conference, and uh, I've been impressed. One of the challenges, of course, as a podcaster, as I was saying, is monetization. you got to find the right platform that offers quality ads. And I know you guys have never really heard me talk about ads before because... I haven't really found anything that I wanted to do. I would have, you know, an ad up for like Telestream. Telestream uh, was a sponsor one time of the podcast. I still believe in their product. I love ScreenFlow. And uh, you can find a link to it on my uh, Podbean page. Every now and then someone clicks on it and it's great, but they're not a a consistent sponsor of the show. And that's one of the problems is finding a consistent uh, revenue generation source and having contextual ads that are relevant to the content on your website is one of the ways to do it. And media.net is a platform that I've found to deliver that. Um, they are working with some of the biggest publishers in the world and they understand that truly content is king and they offer ads that are contextually relevant to your platform and contextual ads. Basically they key off of different words within your Uh, within your blog post, within your show notes to deliver ads that are going to be relevant to your audience. And it's super important. They've got really unparalleled account support, minimum effort, maximum yield. It's their motto and it's the way they do business. And I actually believe them because it's been really for me, minimum effort, maximum results. Media.net slash Vernon. Go out there, sign up. It's free to sign up. It's not even going to cost you anything. Uh, You go out there, you sign up, you're going to earn an extra 10% for the first three months that you're delivering ads to your audience, and they're going to be relevant. Um, Some of the people that use them, Forbes, the Daily News, PT Money from the Financial Bloggers Conference, the founder of the Financial Bloggers Conference, the crazy coupon lady, um, all types, Reuters, WebMD, uh, MSN, All of these people use media.net to help them deliver contextual relevant ads. If you've ever been on the Forbes website and you see those um, sponsored stories that come up, they're usually relevant to that platform. Matter of fact, not usually. Every time I've seen them, they're relevant to that platform. That's what you're going to get with media.net. So I'm really excited about the partnership. Um, I'm impressed with what I've seen so far, and I definitely recommend that you try them out. Media.net forward slash Vernon. Uh, They set up a special page for me with a bow tie, and uh, part of the little title is keyed off of the title of the book. That's how much attention these guys pay to creating this. They were even going to create a bow tie Thursday link for me. But I passed. I was like, nah, just make it Vernon. It'll be easier for the audience. So media.net forward slash Vernon. Sign up. Check them out. Place a few ads on your site if you're approved. And take it for a spin. See what it's like. I definitely recommend it. And, of course, you guys know I recommend Podbean. Podbean.com forward slash VR. That's all you got to do. Go out there. You get a 30-day free trial account on me. Try out podcasting. You know, I've been doing a lot of these podcasts, uh, Ask Me Anything calls, probably have done 30 or 40 of them over the past few months. And I have to tell you, a lot of people are launching podcasts, and I also recommend Podbean to them. I, I tell them about every media hosting platform that's out there. I tell them about Lipson, Blueberry, Spreaker, uh, Buzzsprout. I talk about all of them, but I recommend Podbean.com because 
it's the most affordable and the team is the most reachable, number one, because I'm on that team and you can pretty much get me anytime. And you guys know that. Tweet me, text me, do whatever, but you definitely can get me. And yes, I did say text me. Um, I am doing a new thing where I want you guys to send me a text to be able to get in touch with me. And I know you guys are like, wait a minute, what? You're giving out your phone number over the interwebs? Yes, I am. So if you <laughs> if you um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me. 314-888-5153. Text me. That is how I'm doing it now. Um, I will still maintain an email list for, you know, being able to reach out and tell people's things in detail. But I really want to interact more with the audience directly. So you can get in touch with me via text 314-888-5153. That's how easy I am to get in touch with. You want to know more about Podbean? Text me there, 888-5153. That's area code 314-888-5153. I sound like a uh, a radio station ad. Oh, that's scary. But anyway, check out podbean.com forward slash VR. Get in there. I'll hook you up with 30 days on a free trial account. So anyway, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, it's been a pleasure. This was a fun interview for me, and I'm really enjoying this new partnership. Um, it's been a learning experience. If you guys have noticed, there have been some issues with the website. I've switched the theme. I'm trying a new theme. Um, you can still find everything when you just click on the podcast link, and all the podcasts are there. But, of course, all you got to do is go out to vernonross.com. You scroll down a little bit, and you'll see the podcast, the book, and me speaking. So if you just click on the podcast, it's going to go right to the podcast. I'm going to do something with trying to feature um, the latest three episodes on the front page of the podcast, on, on the front page of the site. So you guys are easily and quickly able to get to it. I'd love your feedback on the changes on the website, what you think, what you think needs to be improved, if you like it, uh, all that kind of good stuff. So check that out. Let me know what you think. Really excited to hear your thoughts on that. And uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here because I am a little longer than I normally am at the end of the show, but I was really excited about this one. So I will see you guys in the next episode.